I want to go to Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now about the time that Herod king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he, he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it was pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And so when they had arrested him, they put him in prison and delivered him to the four squadrons of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. And Peter was therefore kept in prison, but con uh, constant in prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod had about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. And now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and the light shone in the prison, and struck Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands." And then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did, and he said to him, Put your garment on and follow me. And so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought it was seeing a vision. Amen. Praise God. You, we can read on the whole chapter, but I think that will suffice for tonight. I want to talk to you about the four gates of deliverance. This is a story of deliverance that we don't fully understand deliverance. When we think of deliverance, we think that it's only dealing with coming out of something, but that's only half of it. The other half is delivering it to something. Because if you have a, a something at the post office and it is delivered to the post office it is uh, that it leaves there and is started to your house it is f delivered from the post office but it is not completely delivered until it is delivered unto you and so it is uh, uh, successfully delivered whenever the post office has delivered it into your mailbox the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, but it wasn't complete until they were delivered into the promised land. And God has a plan to deliver you from a, uh, the plan is not just to deliver you out of something, but to deliver you into something. And I'm not looking to only come out of, but I am looking to go into and so I've already been delivered out of sin and out of bondage, but now I'm looking to be delivered into the place that God has ordained for my life. Looking to be delivered into the place of power, the purpose, and the plan of God. And because God has begun the work, I know that I will get there. Can you say amen? Because the scripture says, he that has begun a good work in you will watch over it and hasten to perform it. 
And so within this text, there are, I believe, there's four gates, but there, I believe there's three deliverances in this story. Peter is delivered out of two times. Number one, he is delivered from the hand of Herod. Number two, he is delivered from the expectations of the people. And then there is a deliverance into. He is delivered into the church. And so when we look here at Herod Agrippa, the first came uh, to him to try to destroy him because Herod Agrippa came from a long line of God-haters. They had an, uh, an antichrist spirit on them. They, they hated anything that resembled Christ. He was the grandson of Herod that had the great that was responsible for killing all of these babies, right? And murdering the boys, then trying to attempt to stop the mission of Jesus. His uncle came along and put John the Baptist into prison and John preached against Herod, taking uh, his brother Philip's wife. And so after uh, her, we see that the uh, Heronius' daughter begins to dance before Herod, he is so filled with lust that he says, I'll give you up to half of the kingdom. Just tell me what you want. And his mother, her mother spoke up and said, give us John the Baptist's head on a platter. Right? This family is evil. This family has got the stamp of the devil and all over their life. And they are out to stomp out God's seed in the earth. And the first started by killing James and the brother of John with a sword. <coughs> and they took his head off. They severed his head off and, and, and trying to destroy God's plan. Herod is vexed uh, certain of the church, the Bible says. Have you ever read that and wondered why he only vexed certain of the church? Because the other half wasn't worth fooling with. They just come in the church, they just showing up, but they aren't no threat to the enemy. They don't, they don't have a prayer life, they don't have a worship life, they don't, they're not really into anything, they don't have any passion or any zeal for the things of the Spirit. They just going through the process and don't have anything, and so the enemy is not worried about them. But the scripture specifically says that he went after certain of the church. Because you see, certain of the church was targeted because they knew how to pray. They knew how to worship. They knew how to press into the presence of God and to worship God. And so it was that they was praying and they were, the Bible says that they, that they was uh, going after certain ones that was in the church. Herod didn't send four quadrants of soldiers after them. Why? Because he wasn't interested in what they were doing. He was interested in these two men. That name was James and Peter. Because they had a certain something on them. They had something on them that when they started talking, people started listening. They had something on them that when they started something, they finished it. That, that there was an anointing upon them. And so why not attack all the church? Why just after a certain part of the church? It's because he knew that there was certain of them that meant business. There were certain of them that believed the report of the Lord. That there were certain of them that believed that you could pray 
pray and God would answer your prayer. That they believed that you could press into his presence and God would move on your behalf. And so they had a force behind them and this force that they had on them would go with them and it didn't just show up on Sunday but it showed up everywhere they went because the reality of it is you can read the whole book of Acts and you'll, you will not find a Sunday morning worship service. Because they didn't just come to church to get anointed, they took the anointing wherever they went. And so they went to the highways and the hedges and Peter and James, they were out there and they were doing this thing. They was, they was confirming the word of God with signs and wonders following them. They were treading on serpents and scorpions and laying hands on the sick and seeing and recovering, casting out devils and raising the dead. And that put a mark on them that the enemy wanted to stomp them out. It was Passover, the Bible says. It was time to preach about Jesus and the Passover lamb and how that the blood would be applied. And we know that Satan hates talking about the blood because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. It was around this Easter time which meant they were also preaching about his resurrection. <laughs> Herod wanted to get rid of those resurrection preachers because the message of resurrection brought hope. It brought help. It brought life. And if Jesus isn't alive, then our worship is no good. It is in vain. Our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. So if we can keep Jesus in the tomb, we can silence this voice that they have power. But Peter was a tremendous preacher of the gospel. He wasn't, out, he wasn't without his flaws, right? He wasn't without his flaws. He, in fact, he was hot-headed. In fact, he had a violent temper, right? And when they accused him of being a follower of Jesus, he denied it, right? And Jesus, uh, when they come to Jesus and, and they tried to take him away, Peter's the one that pulls the blade and cuts the man's ear off. Right? And now Jesus has to heal him. He has to fix all of this. But that's the grounds for removal. That means dismissal. But Jesus kept him on the payroll. Why? I believe it was because that, that, that he had faith. Right? He didn't have it all together, but he had faith. He didn't have it all. He was hot-headed. He, he had a quick temper, but he had faith. And because of that, Jesus kept him on the payroll. Because you don't get rid of people that have enough faith to walk on water. Amen. You kind of keep them around. You, you say, come on, I know there's some things we need to work on, but you just stay up in this house, right? You just keep working because God's going to keep working on you. His faith kept him hanging in there. And it turned out that he was a tremendous preacher. Peter was the premier preacher of the New Testament. This is what I believe. I believe Peter was the premier preacher of the New Testament. Some people say, well, I think maybe Paul was. You know, but, you know, some folks would say, I heard old preachers say, I'd like to sing like an angel and preach like Paul. But I think that Peter was a more dynamic preacher than what Paul was. Paul was a great writer. He could take a pen and paper and straighten out a church with a letter. 
But I ain't so sure how good a preacher he was. Because the text that I find whenever Peter or Paul began to preach, the Bible says he got the people were so bored they fell asleep and fell out the window and dropped dead. Now I'm going to tell you something. You may not be the greatest person to be able to articulate and be able to, to communicate to people, but when people start falling out of the pews dying, it's time to sit down. Amen. And the first thing is, you know, a nod. You start falling out. But the next thing you know, people start sleeping in the pews. It's, it's time just to move on. And Paul was tremendous with his writing. He was tremendous with, with his wording. But he, he wasn't, I don't believe, he, for a minute, that he was a, a, you would sit and say, wow, what an awesome preacher. He, what, but what he lacked in his preaching skills, he made up for through demonstration of the Spirit. Because the man fell out the wind and died, but he went up there and resurrected him. Amen. I ain't putting him down now. I'm just saying he couldn't preach that good. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you know. But Simon Peter was a preacher. He had this ability. And the first message that he preached. Have you ever heard somebody preach their first message? Lord, God, help us. That first one, you know, it's all nerves and you know God's called you and you know the anointing is there. But you're so full of nerves and you're so, so stressed out and, and you feel like that you can preach for an hour and three minutes later. You done said everything that you know. Right? But here this man is, Peter, anointed and on the first day that he ever preached a message, he gets up and preaches to a crowd and the Bible says that 3,000 of them responded for salvation. His second message was more powerful. 5,000 came to Christ on the second invitation that he ever gave, right? Herod sets his sights on that spokesman for the church. He looks at Simon Peter and he, he relates to him and he says, look here, this is the man that got the revelation that he was the Christ, the son, of, we got to get rid of him. He knows who Jesus is, amen. He wanted those who had a consecrated faith in God, the, the God seed on the inside of them. Whenever you have a consecration of something, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, it's like taking, taking a two-inch water water hose and putting a half inch nozzle on it. It, it causes a consecration that creates power. It creates force. And that's what the New Testament church was. John came out of the wilderness dressed in camel's hair and, and eating wild honey, crying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? And he's being baptized in muddy Jordan when they announced and he looked up and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Ah, oh, Herod said, I've got to get rid of him too. He's got a revelation of who Jesus really is, right? And we see that Ananias, the ruler of the synagogue, says one must die for the sins of a nation. But there was more consecration because Jesus taught multitudes out of multitudes to send 70 from the, into the world. And that 70 went into the world and they made a change. But there wasn't 70, there wasn't 12, neither was there three. Because when it came time to sigh, cry, and die, Jesus was standing alone 
All of hell rejoiced because they thought they had stopped the seed. <laughs> but then we come to 1 Corinthians 2 and 8. Had they known what would happen, they would have not crucified him. Because when you plant a seed into the ground, it surely dies, but it not only dies, it multiplies. And Jesus died, now the seed is being multiplied, and now you and I are the sons of the living God. Amen. You don't know it, but there is a seed on the inside of you. 1 Peter 1 and 23, you were born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. And by the word of God, which lives and abides with you forever. It is the seed of God, the seed of Christ. There is healing seed in you. There is delivering seed in you. There is victorious seed in you. There is devil destroying seed in you. There is sin eradicating seed. God's seed is exalted on the inside of you to do great great things for him in his kingdom. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. He, he lives in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. The gospel represents God in Christ. But the book of Acts represents Christ in you. I'm going to say that one more time. The gospel represents the, the God in Christ. But the book of Acts represents the Christ in you. And we're his holy habitation. We're his dwelling place. We're the most high of God. God has invested his presence in us. And now I'm more than just Brian Matthews that lives in a body. But I am the temple of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells on the inside of me. Amen. The devil wanted to stomp out the seed. But there's much more consecration. There's too much power. There's too much force you can't drown it you can't burn it you can't destroy it you can't kill it because if you kill it it'll resurrect itself and the power of God will live on the inside of you because when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy I am more than a conqueror through him that love me for I am persuaded that neither life nor death or angels or principalities things present all things to come are able to separate me from the love of my God amen Peter had a certain something on him that he was not an ordinary man and Herod knew it and that's the reason why he sent four quadrants of soldiers after Peter right why because a normal criminal, they would send a quadrant of soldiers. They would send four men to go get a criminal. But on this occasion, they sent 16 to go get Peter. What kind of man? <laughs> what kind of man do you send 16 people after to bring in? Amen. But 14, four quadrants of soldiers to transport one criminal. 
Why did they send 16 of them? Because Herod knew he couldn't put his finger on it, but he knew there was a consecrated power of God on the inside of him. That whenever he spoke, things happened. He knew that he had laid hands on the sick and they would recover. He knew that they would stretch his hand out to a crippled and say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I got on the inside of me is more than enough to raise you up. And he would raise up those lame people and they would get to rejoicing and worshiping God. That's the consecrated power that was on the inside of him. Sixteen soldiers carried him away. They bound him in chains. They took him into the dungeon where rats were flowing, where that human feces was rolling, where chains were there to put him on either side. And there is He is between two folks that don't even like him. Enemies on the inside, enemies on the outside, enemies to his left, enemies to his right. And here he is, James' blood is still fresh on the ground. And Peter is next on the death row, scheduled for execution in the morning. You'd think he'd go through a box of Maalocks. You'd think that he'd get some kind of nervous. But there was no sign that Peter was even nervous one single bit. He's not afraid. He's not trembling. He's not making his last will and testament in order for his last meal. This guy is asleep. And he's not taking a cat nap. He's so asleep that the angel has to hit him to wake him up. (laughs) Amen. He has to hit him to wake him up. And so he rescues him when he punches Simon. He wakes him up. And the Bible says in verse 70 in the King James, he says it like this. He smote him. Now that's faith. When you can lay down your head and go to some kind of sleep. Knowing that in the morning you're scheduled for execution. But you know there's more on the inside of you that's coming on the outside of you that you can lay down and go to sleep. Faith is not always about moving mountains or healing the sick or raising the dead. Faith is about taking comfort in the sovereignty of God and knowing that you can trust him to the point that you can rest in the middle of your mess. That you can say, I know that peace is mine and I don't have no threat. I don't have any worry. I don't have any trouble. I'm not intimidated by what is going on around me because I have the peace of God. Peace of God. You know, Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. Peace with God in Colossians 1 and 20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, he reconciled all things to himself. And then the peace of God. He said, be worried about nothing but in everything prayer and supplication and and the peace of God shall be upon you. He tells us in John 14, my peace I leave with you not as the world is given. But he said, my peace, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. Peter provided a covering for the church through the word. But here we see the church providing a covering for Peter through prayer. Amen. 
Prayer was made for him without ceasing. They were collect, they were not collecting resumes. They were not conducting interviews. They were not looking for a new pastor. They were praying for God to intervene. They were praying for God to show up. And suddenly a light appears, an angel appears to Peter and delivers him as the people of God are praying. That's the power of prayer. And then he is delivered from the expectations of the people. God deliver us from worrying about what people think. Huh? Deliver us from what people think we ought to look like, how we ought to talk, how we ought to walk, how we ought to do this and how we ought to do that. Deliver us from the expectations of people. This is what I live my life by. If someone is not a part of my destiny, I don't care what they think. Amen. You can tell me what you think, but it don't count. Because if you're not a part of my destiny, if you're not a part of where I'm going, then it really doesn't matter. But you can't let everybody be talking into your ear. You can't let everybody, I know that sounds harsh, but that ain't harsh at all. It's reality. You can't let everybody talk into your ear. You can't let everybody speak into your life. You give them access because they have proven their self and they're going to be a part not only where you've been, but where you're going. Amen. And people are trying to keep you back and hold you down. And they did that to Jesus. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You won't ever amount to nothing. You're just an old carpenter boy. You've done got too big for your britches. You, you just come from the poor side of town. You, you're not educated like all of us are. You can live with, on the wrong side of the tracks, have little education, and God can still use you to do great and mighty things. Nehemiah couldn't even speak the language, but he rebuilt the walls that nobody else was able to rebuild because he was anointed to do it. It didn't say anything about him being handsome. It didn't say anything about him being rich or driving a Mercedes. It said that he heard something in the spirit. And when he heard it in the spirit, God anointed him to do the work. And I'm telling you today that when you hear the sounds of heaven resonating in your heart, he will anoint you for the assignment that is upon your life. God delivers us from the trying to adapt or to adjust to what people think you ought to do. I've had people tell me before, I don't like your preaching. And I said, well, you ain't the first one told me that. Won't be the last. But you didn't call me. You didn't anoint me. You didn't appoint me. You didn't pour it in me and you can't put, take it out of me. Amen. I realize I ain't for everybody, but I am called to somebody. Amen. Don't bow down and get embarrassed because you, you're preaching the full gospel. You're teaching the full gospel. You believe the full gospel. Don't allow people to embarrass you because you're spirit filled and pray in the spirit and run the aisles and wave your hands and de bring deliverance by the mighty hand of God. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because this is something that is precious and our world needs it. 
Amen. You see, I'm free from the expectations of men. You can try to tell me all of these things, but the reality of it is, is the truth of it is, is God is the one that we have to please. The gate, the, the, the third place that he was delivered from was the gate to the city. Peter puts on his clothes as the angel comes and tells him, he said, come on and get your shoes on, get your clothes on, right? And come with me. Sometimes before you can leave the place you are, you got to get up, right? You can't go nowhere without getting up. And before you can get up, you got to dress like you're going somewhere, right? I referred to Walmart today. It's amazing to me what people are wearing out in public. They surely don't have no mirrors. So I ain't got a whole lot to work with, but bless God, I try to fix it up before I leave the house. <laughs> Amen. But it's amazing to me what people are wearing. They must not be looking at their self or take very much pride in their self. But the reality of it is this, is that, that God wants to give us a fresh start in our spirit. Because that's what happened. They get to the gate of the city and, and now... Peter realizes, I don't have the ability to open this gate. I don't, there's other gates, there's four gates that he walks through. He gets to the gate of the city and he does not have the power or the strength or the ability to open this gate. But the Bible says that it became the first opening door. It came, became the first gate that opened of its own accord, right? And so it was the first gate that swung open automatically. And we see that this took place. And today we've got to understand that when we get to the appointment, to the place that God wants for us to be, that it is his good pleasure to open the door for us. It's us being faithful, but it's God doing the work. It is us being obedient to the heavenly call and the vision, but it's God that opens the door. It's God that opens the gate. Because if man opens the door, if you open the door on your own, it may be the wrong door. But the door that opens of its own accord, when you stand in front of it, when you get to that place, you see, a lot of people say, well, I just can't get out. But there's one thing I've noticed about all of these automatic doors. If you stand out uh, from proximity from it, it'll never open but when you get into close proximity when you get some of them I think I'm going to hit it before it ever opens but surely to goodness soon as I get close enough the door opens on its own it's automatic what are you saying I'm saying some of us are staying too far away we see the gate we see the door but we're too far away from it but we got to press in a little closer we got to get closer to what God is desiring for us to and in doing so the door is going to open of its own on accord church has been delivered out of but now it needs to be delivered into it's easier to get some folks out of jail than it is to get them into the church but Peter finds a home for John Mark and hears the church praying Here's the church praying. Herod should have went to the church, but he didn't think they had any power in their praying. But Peter goes and gets him 
And, and now they go, Peter is getting out of prison. He goes to their, their house, and when he gets to the house, they're on the inside praying for their pastor. I mean, they were going at it. They were praying up a storm. They was praying. They was seeking God. They, they was knocking things over in the spirit when suddenly they hear a door, a knock on the door. And Rhoda, the maiden, goes to the door and hears the voice and she recognizes the voice of Simon and she gets beside of herself, right? And she runs back into the prayer meeting and tells the church, it's Simon, it's Simon, but forgets to open the door, right? Forgets to open the door, said, well, maybe it's a ghost, because it sounds like Simon, but it can't be Simon because he's over there in prison. They didn't think their prayer could work so fast. But this story is, is here to show us the power and the potency of our prayer. That it reveals the great thing about prayer. That's while you are praying, God is working. While you're praying, they aren't aware of it. At that very moment, simultaneously, while they are praying over here in this side of the city, God is moving over there on the other side of the city. While they are praying in their home, God is delivering out of prison. Right? And so God doesn't give them a sign. God doesn't show them evidence that he's moving, but behind the scenes, he is answering their prayer. Behind the scenes, he's doing what only he can do. He's moving mountains. He's moving situations. He performs a jailbreak. <laughs> right? Without anybody even knowing it. Could it be that the very moment they turned their face to God, he sent an angel to the prison cell to deliver Peter out of prison, but they didn't even know it? Could it be that while they are praying, amen, on the case, that God is moving a mountain, he is healing the cancer, he is mending the marriage, he is vindicating the sinner. Could it be that while we are praying, God is doing a supernatural work that we don't even know? You never know how your prayer is working behind the scenes and changing the situation and causing the angelic force of heaven to be released to minister to the heirs of salvation. You don't know that the prayer that you prayed of faith and you've walked out of that room and you shut the door and you said for God I live and for God I die but God heard and answered your prayer and it's already in effect in your life you just haven't seen the results of it just yet but God's up to something I said God's up to something you may not feel it you may not see it but God's up to something God doesn't need to send a memo Amen. God doesn't need an update to keep you informed or to make a progress report. You don't need a dream. You don't need a vision. You don't need somebody to prophesy over you. You just pray the prayer of faith, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one. Avails much. They told Rhoda, said, you done went crazy, woman. 
you fasted too long, you've prayed, you've done, got yourself all worked up here, it's crazy. But she knew something. She isn't mentioned anywhere else in the scripture. This is the only place she's ever mentioned in scripture. But you know, she wasn't like Dorcas. She wasn't one that was handy with her hands and she didn't start a church out of her house, but she learned how to hear. <laughs> She learned how to hear. She had an articulate ear to hear what the Spirit was saying. It heard the sounds of heaven. And, and so when she heard Simon's voice, she was not wrong. You need to have an ear to hear the Spirit and to witness and say, there's something on the inside that's about to happen. I know the prison cells are still there. I know trouble is still all around. I know I've got haters everywhere, but I've heard something something in the spirit and something is about to accelerate something is about to shift something is about to move and that's been my assignment here today to tell you this morning and this night that there may not be a signal but God doesn't need to send us a signal if you'll keep on being faithful God is about to do us suddenly and there's going to be a shifting and the increase and the presence of God will be revealed in your life and in your circumstance you might be in prison right now but all God's got to do is just shift it a little bit and everything is going to be turned around amen everything's going to be turned around God's getting ready to raise you up will you put your shoes on get you some clothes on act like you're going somewhere amen because we're fixing to do something good, big, in the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what I come to tell you tonight. I'm done, Amy. I am done. All right. I just want to remind you of the power of prayer. I want to remind you that you don't have to be a super duper preacher. You just got to have an ear to hear. And if you have an ear to hear, you can speak the word of the Lord in the earth. Amen.